Behind the Tin, a podcast that introduces you to the heroic men and women who wear the tin while protecting our community and hearing about the extraordinary things they're doing when they're badged in their locker. I'm Stephen J., the good lieutenant, here along with Justin, the civilian producer. What's going on this fine day? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Here we are again. And uh, we're going to talk some horses today, I think. Horses. But first, let's thank our sponsors. I'd like to thank our sponsors, thoseguysprint.com. Those guys, for all your custom apparel needs, visit thoseguysprint.com. And Sopo Pottery. Sopo Pottery, who gives back to not only police, but fire and other charities. To get your pottery from Sopo Pottery, visit sopopottery.com. Our Cocktail Over Conversation sponsor today is Colin M. of Poughkeepsie, New York. Colin M., thank you so much. Thank you, Colin. I appreciate that. Ooh, what we're drinking today is another fine beverage from the Hyde Park Brewing Company. We're talking simpler times, Justin, which is a 4.8 ABV. A 100% New York grown grain. It's a lager that pours golden yellow and has a subtle aroma of lemongrass and grain. Wow. It is absolutely delicious. And our, we got to thank Hyde Park Brewery for, for supporting us like this. It's our second time with this one. Let me tell you what. Mm, it gets mm, better each time. So thank you. So we got a guest here. Comes all the way to us from Arizona. Tucson, Arizona, that is. And this guy has been involved in an organization um, that didn't start with a program for first responders, but ended up uh, treating first responders in a different kind of therapy. Yeah, looking at looking at the bio, man, this is some really interesting stuff he's got going on with these horses. Well, I, let's hear it from him. Let's hear it right from the horse's mouth, and let's bring in Eric Lindmark. Eric, welcome behind the tin.com, buddy. Thanks for having me, Stephen. I'm so happy that you're here. A good friend of mine, worked with you for a long time. Mm-hmm. You are somebody that I looked up to, respected, and now you're kind of in a, a different place in your life and you know, the, your career's in, in your, your rear view mirror. Uh, but I just want to talk so people know you a little bit. They're not going to know you as well as I do, of course, which is probably a course, good thing. Which is, yes. But a uh, little bit about you, you know, how you started on the job. A little bit of career path? Uh, started on a job when I, uh, two weeks past my 21st birthday, which looking back after retiring in my 26th year, was far too young to be becoming a police officer. <laughs> <laughs> but I did. And uh, I'm most proud of my time in uniform, which was the majority of my career. Did a lot of good work there. Uh, became a detective at one point when I guess nobody else wanted to be. And... Uh, uh, from that branch out into working with uh, sex and child abuse cases in the juvenile bureau. After that, I ended up in general detective bureau, which is where I met you and became a field intelligence officer. And that was the highlight of your career, obviously. Absolutely. I mean, that goes without saying, working with the good lieutenant. That's right. So you, you, you did a lot of different things in your career. The path, yep. you know, was made sense. I left know. out crime scene technician. That was also a passion of mine. Right. And, you know, you, you served in a moderately large department. You know, for mm-hmm. what the, the country sees in New York. Uh, been there, done that for the police stuff. Mm-hmm. But really what is astonishing is you, you've re- you've retired and you went on and you got involved in a program out in Tucson, Arizona. Mm-hmm. 
And I really want to highlight that because, again, behind the badge, behind the tin, our whole premise here is not what you do when everyone sees you wearing the uniform. It's those things that you do outside that helps our community, that helps the police family, the firefighting family. And and I think the program you're involved in is A, unique, but really B, makes such an impact that most people, I don't think, comprehend. Mm. So let's talk a little about that program. Mm. What's it called? It's called Track Ranch, T-R-A-K. The website is tracktucson.org. It's a typical ranch you'd see in a state like Arizona. And um, it's a therapeutic, they call it therapeutic ranch. When I started going there, they catered to children. Being a retired law enforcement officer, I met with the board that runs our, our ranch and said, we should really have a first responder program. There's a lot of people getting missed, uh, missed in the rush. When I when you say first responder, people think fire, police, military, and they leave out the trauma nurses, the trauma doctors, the trauma people who fly into helicopters, psychiatrists, psychologists, all these people who do help for cops when they need it. And uh, there was no one really catering to them or their needs. I originally got referred to this ranch by my doctor. I have PTSD, have had it for longer I would have liked, but my doctor referred me to it. And I was like, well, where I'm from, I don't know where a horse even couldn't draw one. I was just going to ask that. So you you didn't, at at the time, you didn't have any background with horses or anything Oh, no, no, no background in anything related to cowboy hats and horses. So this was probably like an off-the-wall suggestion by your doctor when you heard this, right? It was because... She knew I liked animals, but uh, which was the end to get me to go there. But it turned out I got pulled in by what they were doing for the children. And what I found out was I'm a member of the FOP down there. And I said, is there any programs like for first responders, like any kind of? And they're like, no, there's a doctor here who wrote a book. I think I gave Steve one uh, on PTSD, police and firefighters. And uh, I said, why don't we have a program here? And had a little bit of a bump in the road getting it started because unfortunately some people, when you say PTSD, they think, you know, people with PTSD take machine guns and, you know, mow down them all, the things we all see on the news. They think that if you have PTSD, that's what you're going to do. And it couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, uh, That is not true. So we started to decide to start a first responders program that would include police, fire, all the things I listed, and uh, do therapy sessions with them at no charge. Uh, we dug up a grant to fund it so they don't have to pay for it. It's all, it's all taken care of. And it started out our first group. We were like, geez, is anybody going to come to this? To now we have a waiting list. Of, we don't have enough staff to handle the amount of people that are turning out and they're coming from not just police and fire and military. We've had nurses, we've had doctors, we've had counselors that come in, you know, that take care of people that they themselves get burned out or maybe a little PTSD over something they witnessed. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, that PTSD is such a sliding scale. Mm -hmm. People always, unfortunately, picture the worst of the worst mm-hmm. cases, right? But like you said, it, it could just be trouble sleeping. Yep. It could be reoccurring thoughts. Mm-hmm. It could be a, a number of things besides mm-hmm. that really mm-hmm. m- crazy episode. 
You know, I've, Stress, I went to the, anxiety, panic right. attacks. Yeah, it goes yeah. on and on. It, yep. it does go on and on. But one, this program has really seen success since you guys started it there. Yes. Um, to a level that I think equals therapy to some people. Straight, yes. you know, traditional therapy, sitting down with therapists or psychologists. Many people say they're afraid to go to a, a – they went to this program specifically because they're afraid of uh, – well, sadly, a lot of them are afraid that they're going to get labeled and lose your jobs. Sure. So yeah. what what – I'm not familiar with the actual program. I, you know, I see the pictures. I see your picture on the website. <laughs> yeah. Looking very handsome. They I didn't ask say. me about that, by the way, but that's fine. <laughs> that's okay. They needed a good looking model. Uh, couldn't get him. And Love got the me. cowboy hat, by the way. I was going to say, where's the hat? Well, for someone good who uh, didn't well, wear I have cowboy no hair, hat. So just slides right down. Talk to me about the program. Actually, what the components of the program, what, what it actually does. It starts basically with, um, you got to have trust. Number one, the hardest thing to start a program like this and I told my our uh, program director this is especially cops and firefighters and maybe including the other groups I listed. We a don't like asking for help. We b don't like admitting that we may need help. And c the the last thing is is we think there's something wrong with us if we seek help. So we try to do away with all those. Yeah, because we're the guys usually people call for help. Yes, right? yes, they call us for help. And if you've got you know issues going on with yourself, we haven't addressed. You you want to. The horses we use are handpicked by the equine specialists. Uh, all our counselors are certified, and uh, we have uh, a, a psychiatrist who oversees the whole program. To make the short of it, you know, I discovered these horses, especially rescue horses, which is the majority of horses we have, they, they can sense and sense a vibe off of you. If you're hurting or if there's something going on or you're maybe angry about something, they feed off of that. I saw that so, on your website. There was, yeah. there was a, a note about that, and I, I, it took me by surprise. It's not yeah. something that you you know think. Yeah. Again, I, I don't have a lot of experience with horses either. So mm-hmm. uh, when yeah. I read that, it was it was kind of interesting because you hear about it a lot with dogs, right? Mm-hmm. You know, someone someone gets lost or someone's having a heart attack or uh, mm-hmm. epilepsy, and the dog right. you know can sense it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've never heard that about horses before. So that was really cool to see on the website. Yeah, it was. It was something that was new to me. I'm figuring if anything, I mean, you know, this 2,000-pound Clydesdale is going to do what for me? But Usually carry the Budweiser. Yeah, the Budweiser <laughs> the Budweiser wagon, yeah. Right. Um, Sorry. Yeah, you, we, we, we form a circle inside one of the, um, and I took this course before, so I would know what I was talking about. I took it with some people. You start in a circle, and the the, the head mental health professional running it, We'll go around kind of like we did when I started talking to you. You know, what are you about? What are you here for? What's going on? Multiple times, make sure they know what stays here stays here. Whatever you say, we're not going to notify your job. We don't need your insurance card. Come on in with the horses. And it you it would blow your mind because we had we had one guy in in, uh, in my group was a Vietnam vet and had never in the past. 60 or however many years it's been since the Vietnam War uh, addressed anything that he had dealt with. And he, he broke down pretty hard a couple sessions and the horses are around us. So there's horses around where you are. The horses will go right to that guy. And he said it was the weirdest feeling because he'd be like clearing up his eyes or he'd be, you know, getting himself into composure and he'd hear that. <sighs> And it was horses behind him over his shoulder. He turned left to right and the horses were standing there. 
they just could tell the guy was upset and they wanted to go to help that person. Wow. Yeah. So people miss, most people think, well, I want to do the program, but I've never ridden a horse. There's no riding involved. None at That's all. None. We oh, want wow. nothing to do. You're, you're in a wheelchair. You're incapacitated in some physical way. Come on over and sign up for the program. We, there's no horseback riding at all in the program. There's horse interaction, but there's no horseback riding. And, and you're saying a lot of these horses are rescue horses. Yes. And they come from all over, I would imagine? They come from all over. Our executive director, uh, Scott Tilly, and our program director, Chelsea Menke, they are the ones that will look at a horse, check it out, do whatever they do. These are two people who have grown up with horses uh, their whole lives, and they'll deem whether that horse is suitable for what we do because we are a therapy therapy ranch. Right. How many uh, horses now? 44. Wow. 44 horses. The last I checked, I've been on vacation, but it's 44 the last I checked. Yeah. How, how uh, many people can you serve at any given time? Uh, a group is, uh, I don't know if they have a lid on it because of different, there's times when I'm not there. Sure. But uh, it could be a small group. It's five, six people. Uh, it would not be a group for like 20 people because you would never get anything done. You'd right. have to be there all day. Um, but those, they rotate them through as quickly as they can. And I'm, and I'm hoping they're going to expand it. What's uh, the typical length of a, of a program like that for someone? Uh, six weeks, one night a week for six weeks. And it's a, uh, if I remember correctly, it's a uh, three hour session. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And we just talk back and forth. Sometimes it turns into a BS session. And then other times it turns into activities with the horses, you know, like uh, getting people, some people who are uh, intimidated by them, hmm. getting them. That's something we have to initially do to get them past that. But the biggest bump to getting people in is when they realize they don't have to fill out 20 pages of paperwork. We're not going to call their job. We're not going to call their doctor. Everything is uh, completely private because, once again, as cops and firemen, it's in our culture. I don't want anybody having my information. I don't want anybody because, I mean, I know I saw my job on two occasions where guys had their guns taken away. Now, this is going back a ways, but if it happened today, they would never do that. And if they did, they'd have a nice lawsuit. Right. You know? So... People take six weeks, three hours a week. Yep. Uh, they complete this program. I, I'm venturing to guess that some people really end up with a connection to the animals, to the horses. Yes. We are largely, because we have over around 100 animals altogether, can, 44 actual horses, but we have almost 60 rabbits, chickens, miniature horses, donkeys. Um, when you're dealing with that amount of animals you, and we're a nonprofit, you need volunteers. And a lot of the people that come to an event like that, they end up inquiring, hey, can I volunteer? That's almost continued therapy, I would say. Yeah. I, um, yeah. I've, when I've hit rough points in my life, I've thrown my arms over at Clydesdale and cried for 15, 20 minutes to get something out of my, out of my head. And, uh, yeah. So you volunteer and you get 44 horses to try to connect with. Wow. That's amazing. That's incredible. I, I mean, it's something so different. Um, but, you know, I, I always liken it to when, when people drive by, they see, and you, you know, you can relate to this, they see the two police cars and they're driver door to driver door and the cops are commiserating. People think they're BSing or, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're slacking off. They're not working. Mm -hmm. 
correct me if I'm wrong in your career, in my career, 99% of that time, it's almost a therapy session. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I'm involved in critical stress management in, in, in my department. Uh, I've been involved in, in incidents where you really need to sit down and talk to those involved in incidents to make sure that they understand you got to let it out. Mm-hmm. Whatever means you want to do it, whether you want you want to go and talk to a horse and, and mm-hmm. do a therapy session well, together, because it's human interaction also. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to see a psychiatrist or a psychologist? Do you want to talk to a priest? Is it a coworker? Is it a friend? Is it a family member? Mm-hmm. I think it's so important that we recognize that, again, we always talk about it, Justin, right? Police and firemen are human. Mm-hmm. Right. Just because we get called to help doesn't mean we don't have human emotions. Yes. Like you're not impervious to yeah. all the things that you see and experience. And, and to me, when we talk about humanizing the badge, one of the things is we feel emotions. Mm-hmm. We feel pain. We feel sadness. Mm-hmm. We feel sorrow. Yeah. Um, and, and it sucks. Yeah. It sucks to see some of the most horrific accidents it sucks and and you know you know better than me in this one to see what people can do to one another especially mm-hmm. children children yeah. uh it sucks there's yeah. no cool thing about it there's no like wow i want to do that it sucks yeah it does and the problem is, is that at least the year i that i was in and it's uh you know what you did was after work you went out to the bar and maybe you talked a little bit about it so mm-hmm. For me, alcohol became a problem, uh, you know, still is a problem. I've been sober a long time. I can think of some pretty horrendous things I was at, and you could tell that people were shaken, and it just, you didn't talk about it. You right. Didn't, you didn't bring up that issue. I really do think the times are changing for that, thank God. I hope so. I really do. Uh, I think we're more open to people expressing themselves and their feelings, uh, to make sure they're okay mentally. Mm-hmm. You know, listen, everyone has normal reactions. Mm-hmm. Everyone that sees something that's horrific or uh, is involved in something that's terrible should have a reaction. Otherwise, there is something wrong with you. Yeah. It, it doesn't mean anything. Yep. So we got to normalize that to a degree. Mm-hmm. But then we have to move on. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, I think we're recognizing that. Yeah. So th- this program, how many people have gone through it since uh, you've been involved? For a headcount, all I know is we constantly have a waiting list. So we're going to try to expand it, get more hands and more help. Uh, for people who want information specifically on this program, if you're in the Arizona area or you don't mind traveling, right? Because yep. you take take Travel. uh, travelers. Uh, it's track, T-R-A-K, Tucson, dot org, uh, slash first responders. And all the information uh, about the specific program is is right there. Yeah, and of course, we'll put that in the show notes, so you don't have to try to remember that now. You can always look at the website later on, and, and you'll be able to access all that information. Right. Cool. Cool. Eric, if you, had, if you went back to somebody who's trying to get on the job nowadays, a younger guy who's looking for some advice, to, what would you tell him? Number one, he's just about to embark on the greatest career you could ever imagine happening. It's Policing is what you make of it. And if you're committed to doing right, if you're committed to being a being a cop, uh, you're you're on your way to a great, great not just career but passion. I think you have to be passionate about police work. Uh, in addition, from the side we're discussing here today, I would say you're going to see a lot of bad things. I'm not going to tell you war stories for the next hour, but you're going to see bad things because what upsets me may not upset upset you. And prepare yourself if you're in, if you're a very religious or spiritual person. Make that your outlet. Best buddy on the job. 
just don't keep it inside or be afraid to come out and say, hey, you know, that call we had yesterday where that infant died and, you know, was uh, covered in cigarette burns. Uh, I'm never going to forget that. And I'm like, yeah, you're not going to forget it, but it's what you do with those feelings that's going to yeah. define whether this is a problem with you and you're going to be 13 years retired and you still have that issue eating at your brain. It's just yeah. not healthy. I think one of the most important things I tell people um, who are diehard cops when they get on is make sure you have a release. Yep. And they say, what do you mean by that? And I say, make sure there's something you're involved in outside of police work mm -hmm. that is normal. Mm -hmm. whether it's softball or baseball or, or, or just family activities, nonprofit charities you want to get involved in, just something that is a release. Because I don't think people actually realize that that's a release most yeah. of the time. Even just, just something to keep you grounded, right? Yeah, it's you just know, it's, a sense of normalcy. 24-7, yeah, you can't be a cop, yeah. right? You got to just turn it off for a minute mm -hmm. as much as you can and do something without the job. Mm -hmm. I think that really helps. And, and, and you know, that that's my advice that I give to those guys. It's Eric. Great. Last question for you, and we ask every guest, uh, what do you define hero as? I'm trying to think. There's a quote in, in some old book. Uh, I think it was Dante's Inferno. I'm not sure they talk about. There's a special place. There's a special level in hell for people who stand and watch bad happen and do nothing about it. And if you truly want to be a police officer and... You know, you're going to be a hero. Just don't do it because you like getting awards. Don't do it because you want to work the most overtime and try to get rich. Try to be passionate about it and be a hero every day to someone that could be helping an old lady across the street. Just be a hero because there's, as you well know, uh, working together with me, you just, you're not going to get a you know, round of applause when you come into the station. They're expect us to do what they sent us out to do. Yeah. Eric, I did work with you for a long time. I, like I said in the beginning, I admire you. I love you. Love you too, uh, brother. You are a hero. You were a Thank hero. You. Your entire career is a law enforcement officer, but you're even a bigger hero now for the things that you're doing to help mental health for police and firefighters uh, in the program that you're, you're helping with down there. Uh, and, and, you know, you continue to talk about it. You continue to spread, uh, shed light on this. Uh, you were just on an interview with what NBC and, and, yeah. and, and sharing the, you know, your story and what you've been doing. Don't stop that man. No, because it's in your blood, it's in your brain, but it's, it's what you're really giving people gifts. And that gift is mental health, mental stability. And that's why you continue to be a hero to this day, my friend. Well, thanks, Steve. I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you so much. You're here to me as well, and I, I appreciate all your service. Thanks. Appreciate it. And I appreciate what you guys are doing. This needs to be done, what you're doing, reaching out to people and getting the conversation started. Oh, thanks, man. Not what I expected to hear about when you talk about a retired law enforcement officer and therapy. Right. In, in a uh, very, very rural Western place. It's just extraordinary to me that the program that they're doing at, uh, at track uh, has become this waiting game now for people who want to 
become part of the program. Like when I heard horse therapy, I certainly thought about riding the horses and becoming That's what one. I thought. Yeah. And then as he's describing literally their intuition of just knowing someone's upset and going there and comforting them. Really wild. I've never heard of that before. I, you always think dogs is, you know, you always hear about therapy dogs. So you, you just really don't hear about horses like that. Well, once again, if anybody wants more information, you can visit tracktucson.org. That's T-R-A-K, Tucson.org, and look up their first responder program. Just extraordinary. Yeah, and of course, we'll throw that in the show notes to make it easy to find. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, thank you for listening to Behind the Tin and hearing about how our heroes are heroes with the tin on and off. Uh, be sure to like, follow, subscribe, and share Behind the Tin, BehindTheTin.com. Yeah, let people know. Let, let your friends know. Let your family know. Again, as always, if you know someone that should be on our show that's doing an extraordinary thing when they're badged in their locker, reach out to us uh, at Facebook or email us at BehindTheTin at gmail.com. And how can, uh, how can listeners support us? If somebody wants to be a sponsor, uh, if you have a business that wants to sponsor Behind the Tin, go to BehindTheTin at gmail.com, send us that email, and we'll shoot you some information. Hey, if you want to buy the crew around or just buy the guest a drink, go to our Facebook page and follow the links. Once again, look out for one another and stay safe.